Hi, I'm Deborah Stevenson, and you're listening to A Good Old Natter. It's that time for A Good Old Natter with Dan Parker. Hello, and welcome to A Good Old Natter, the podcast all about life stories, career anecdotes, and, well, all sorts. I'm your host, Dan Parker. In this episode of A Good Old Natter, I caught up with definitely one of the funniest people I've ever met, actress and impressionist Deborah Stevenson. Deborah and I battled through Zoom technical difficulties and building background noise to chat all things celebrity impersonations, TV and more. Apologies in advance for any building work you can hear in the background in this recording. I guess that's the current times we're living in, a virtual Zoom podcast recording for you. Well, Deborah Stevenson, the lady of a million voices and definitely one of the funniest people I've ever met. How are you doing? You're really exaggerating. <laughs> we started off exaggerating. That's high expectations to a million voices. I think that might just be slightly exaggerated. I do have a show called, or I did have a show before, you know, when shows were allowed, called My Night of 100 Voices. But anyone who says that they do a thousand voices is probably lying. A million voices is definitely lying. <laughs> Well, it's over 100, still very yeah. impressive. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, I think it's more to do with the fact that I've been around for such a long time. I've <laughs> picked up many voices over the years. It's a lot of years. I can remember the last time, the first time we met, you had me in absolute stitches with your impressions. And hopefully you won't remember this because I cringe thinking about it, but I can remember embarrassing myself, doing my impression of Chewbacca from Star Wars for you. Ah. <laughs> that was, well, that's one I've never been able to get so you see I can't criticize that I think you need to hit great though, is yeah, it? I think the first person to do an impression today should be you I've got to do Chewbacca now yeah <sighs> that's very good actually gargle though really isn't it it's kind of a gargle isn't it but I find it difficult because it's a gargle maybe it's difficult more difficult with a female voice but I, I'm going to gargle for you this is if anyone is listen to this podcast and has never heard of me and never heard any of my impressions that this is a really really bad way to start off <laughs> it's like so the first impression i'm going to do is an impression that i can't do <laughs> see i just can't i can't find yeah, that's a place like... <laughs> i love it it doesn't it's... sound like back. i like it it's like chewbacca meets a kitten <laughs> I know where I want to go with it. I can't do the gargle and put my, I can't do the sound down the gargle. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I just kind of want to go, oh no, rien de rien. So I can do that gargle, but I can't do a kind of Chewbacca gargle. <laughs> Chewbacca, Edith PF, I love it. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I need mouthwash to do Chewbacca. Yeah, get some Listerine in your sword. Deborah, let's talk about impressions and lockdown because we've obviously had more time over this past year stuck indoors. And I guess naturally you've probably had more time to learn and develop more celebrity impressions, no? Uh, no, because I am far too lazy for that. <laughs> I, I learn impressions when, 
when there's a, a need to. So I, I have I have been continuing to do impressions actually during the lockdown because we've been doing Dead Ringers, the mm. radio show, and I, I've been recording that from my cupboard, uh, which I have a microphone in, and it's an understair cupboard. I like put Harry Potter in there. Yeah. <laughs> Just doing various. various Lady under the stairs. Under the stairs, yeah. Yeah, in a cupboard that's not even got sort of proper uh, soundproofing and it's just duvets that are hanging there. But it does the job, it does the job. So we've all been doing Dead Ringers from our sort of respective little hidey holes and it, it came together really well. So I'm trying to think if I did in there. Um, well, there's been some pretty Patel, so I'm happy to tell you that she sounds a little bit like a cross between probably Sybil Faulty and um, Frank Spencer, <laughs> I get, go back in history and dig some old ones out and then just kind of dress them up as someone else. As long as you kind of start with that, well, and then you sort of say 55,000 billion and threepity two pence, a pounds even, um, you know, get some sums wrong, you're kind of halfway there. <laughs> so yeah, so she's sort of fairly new. And I did uh, Nancy Pelosi. That was a new one for Spitting Image, which again was from the cupboard. <laughs> I, think I, I think if I do a podcast, it's going to be called From the Cupboard. <laughs> Nancy Pelosi, sometimes when she's talking, it sounds almost like a cross between Joan Rivers. Oh, my God. Oh, can you remember me? Oh, oh, please. And, uh, and Marge Simpson, because if you just take it up a little higher, then it's going to, you know, we're going to be homie. Oh, no. Uh, Bart, what are I telling you about not socially distancing? Oh, no way, man. Eat my shorts. Uh -huh. Nancy Pelosi so, to Nancy Cartwright. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. she's a, yeah, she's a little bit like that. And a lot of the time I find she slurs and then you wonder if she's goes to a meeting and then has a couple of bottles of wine and uh, to wash her, her lunch down with and comes back and does another little uh, press conference like that. It's, it all gets a bit slurry sometimes. <laughs> you have to wonder, don't you, what's going on? I've got to say, I remember just after the first lockdown happened, I absolutely loved your video rendition on the piano of We'll Meet Again featuring Her Majesty the Queen. I mean, how long did it take you to put that together? So you saw that. It was brilliant. <laughs> how many views, really? Um, Good fun. Yeah, it was just a bit of fun, really. Yeah, it didn't take long. I didn't play the piano at all. I just, <laughs> that was a backing track. That was I'd like just to believe you piano. played the piano. I would like to believe so you. So I thought, yeah, I'll just sit here at the piano and plinky plonky, and I thought it was quite funny and very, very obvious that I wasn't playing the piano. And then quite a few co people commented how clever I was to be able to play the piano. <laughs> That was not me playing the piano. I, I was doing the voices. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we were all feeling just a bit lost at the beginning of the lockdown. Mm. I still feel a bit lost sometimes, but certainly at the beginning it was like, what on earth is happening? And what on earth am I now going to do with all my time that I now have because I've lost all my jobs? everything in the diary was cancelled or postponed indefinitely um yeah so sort of similar situation to so many people you know the only thing I knew what to do you know was because you soon get sick of baking banana bread don't you was just to you know have a little bit of fun and make a couple of videos what do you think 
when all this is over, I mean, everything's over and restrictions are completely lifted. What do you think could be the first thing you do that you've missed perhaps the most? Go and see my parents. They start north. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm from Hull, but I live in Poole. So I'm really far away. And even if I wasn't far away, I still wouldn't be allowed to go and visit them. It, it, there's not perhaps as much temptation when they're not just down the road. But, you know, what's difficult is that you can't meet them for a walk. You know, you can't go to Hull and meet someone for a walk. A bit too so, far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't meet them and go, you know, and have lunch in their garden because you're not allowed to go anywhere, are you? So, um, yeah, that's the first thing I would do when, when the restrictions are lifted. I think it's just social things isn't it I mean I'm looking forward to going to the pub yeah I'm looking forward to summer anyway to be honest with you and I'm hoping that summer will be at least like last summer I hope it won't be any worse than last summer because at least last summer you could eat out to help out and you could you know go to the pub garden and have a nice time and the weather was lovely and I live near the beach so you know, that's nice. Well, I just hope it's not as busy as it was last last year. And not that I'm worried about it being busy. It was busy. It was busy. Because it didn't, you know, it didn't kind of send the numbers flying in this area at all. I don't think it made any difference at all because something to do with the sea air and being by the sea seems to mean it doesn't, you know, it doesn't seem to have a huge impact, even if there are a lot of people there. But, you know, I don't mind as long as they don't leave the litter behind. We had a bit of a, yeah, a bit of a kind of tricky time in uh, a lot of areas didn't we with with people kind of just descending upon areas and then leaving all their crap behind <laughs> literally sometimes yeah. yeah so as long as people are respectful hopefully you know we can all have a lovely summer well let's go back to life for you growing up in in Hull as a child did you always want to be an actress and voice performer yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Uh, my first memory was in New Zealand because my parents emigrated to New Zealand when I was a baby and all my earliest memories are there. So somehow in my soul, I feel like I am a Kiwi. But um, yeah, it's weird. I kind of feel like I was there for the beginning of my life and before we moved to Hull. And they, one of my first memories is they took me to see the Wombles. You know the Wombles? The Wombles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Classic. Um, yeah and and I was dancing on the stage with them because they had invited kids to get up on the stage for a while and then before I knew it my parents were dragging me off because I kind of just lost the plot and was just thinking about all the lights and oh this is nice and having a great time and I think there was something about the energy on stage not just the lights but the the energy from the audience there's something magical about being on stage I think and I do think it is a, an exchange of energy between performers and the audience. I really look forward to getting back to that one day, actually, going back to your other question. So, yeah, live performance, there's nothing like it. And I think that's when I got the bug. And so I always wanted to be on the stage ever since then. I found out when I was about six or seven, we were back in England, and I found out that, you know, my friend at school was having drama lessons. Like, you could have drama lessons? What does it mean? You, you can be an actress. It's like, oh, that is what I want to be. That is definitely what I want to be, yes. <laughs> then I found, I guess, around the same time that I could do impressions. Wasn't something I thought I could make a living out of for a while, but just something I wanted to do, you know, that I did for fun. And my dad did impressions and he always used to do impressions of people like Yogi Bear or Top Cat or, you know, cartoons, 
Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck. And I loved it. I just thought, you know, that was great. And I, for me, it was, it was funny, but it was also a normal part of life, you know, that you might go around the house singing or you might go around the house doing an impression of Donald Duck, which I still <laughs> can't do. I can kind of make this noise. But when it comes, it's a bit like my Chewbacca. That's, that's brilliant. I can't I, form any words. My dad can talk and, you know, he can hear every word like that. <laughs> Still, really, as people often ask me, are there impressions you can't do? It's like, yeah, that's all I've talked about today. So, um, duh, I could just another, I could do the minions. <laughs> yeah, maybe that. Yeah, cartoons I love, but yes, I don't get to do too many cartoon impressions. I was like, oh, oh, uh, how does she sound, Lois? Stewing. And stewing yeah. somewhere up there. And I just don't get to do cartoon impressions. I guess I get to do the Screen Street cartoon impressions, the CBBs. <laughs> it's not really impressions, it's me. But every time I do the um, the voices, the characters that I normally voice, I have to think, how do I do them? And sometimes I need to get them to play them back to me so I can do an impression of myself. <laughs> I don't know if this is going to sound like a, a silly question, but are some impressions easier to do? at certain times of the day, just because I can imagine Donald Duck might be easier to do in the morning. No, because they're not really using a voice for Donald Duck. Mm. Um, I, you know, again, it's not one that I really do, but it isn't a voice thing. It's a sound that you're making yeah. with your mouth, but it's not vocal at all. Marge Simpson or anyone who's quite growly, I tell you what, people who are low, so someone like Joe Brand, Joe Brand's a lot easier to do in the morning because you wake up with a cranky voice and a sarcastic disposition. Uh, well, maybe not the sarcastic disposition, but, you know, it's easier when your voice is a bit croaky first thing in the morning. You need a bit of a warm-up before you do, you know, certainly before you do Snow White. <laughs> See, I haven't had that warm-up yet. <laughs> Someday my prince will come. Yeah, you, you definitely don't want the croaky voice for that. <laughs> I used to practice so so much i mean every single night instead of doing homework <laughs> i used to practice my impressions and uh we, i'd have a cassette tape and recorder and i'd record the people that i wanted to do impressions of on this you know just bring the cassette recorder near the telly <laughs> and then just press you know play and record at the same time and then uh i'd get this kind of like behind, hello campers, Heidi, hi, hi. <laughs> Gladys wants me a yellow coat and all that sort of thing. So, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd listen to it. I'd say, hey Gladys. So I must have, I probably went, hey Gladys, I want to be a yellow coat. Let's have another listen. And my dad used to help me and he'd say, no, that's not quite there. Try it again. So <laughs> an hour later, <laughs> I'm still there going, hey Gladys, I want to be a yellow coat. And um, by now I've, you know, I've um, not done that English homework that I should have done. <laughs> it's time to bed. Just kind of sticking on the impressions. One of my favourites that you do is Scylla Black. Now, wasn't there a story about you almost having to do that impression in front of Scylla herself? Yeah, that's right. Yes. I should make it clear that um, it wasn't her fault. I mean, genuinely, it wasn't her fault. It was me. Um, well, it wasn't me either. It was a friend of mine. It was her fault. We were at a party, a sort of ITV party, and all the stars were there. It was, you know, it was quite it was posh, you know, and very show busy. 
and we're all drinking loads everybody you know got faced and um and my friend suddenly hauled me up to Scylla Black before I knew it I didn't know she was going to do it before I knew it I was in front of Scylla having interrupted her conversation with the head of ITV and my drunken friend said hey my friend does a brilliant impression of you and she went well don't <laughs> which was um, mortifying, <laughs> really mortifying, it was horrible. Um, because who could blame her, you know? I mean, how inappropriate, really? I think it got mentioned on Loose Women, because I've been on that a few times. I know I had to do an impression of Janet Street Porter in front of her, and I was quite scared, actually. <laughs> I was a bit frightened. Um, and she went, come on, do your impression of me. <laughs> so I sort of try, I thought, oh, really, um, the only kind of thing I do is I try and, you know, I try and be respectful when I do impressions. And she went, I don't mind as long as it's not like that, that Pamela Stevenson, bloody Pamela Stevenson, didn't sound like me at all. <laughs> <laughs> Now, when it comes to your TV work, there is just so much that we can talk about. Obviously, Corrie, Holby City, The Impression Show, etc. But one show I've got to ask you about is a show which, admittedly, I probably shouldn't have been watching at the time because I was quite young, which I loved, was Bad Girls. Now, your character in that shell, from memory, she was quite psychotic. What was it like to play a character like that and be a part of that show? Yeah, it was great. I mean, we had a ball. I think most people, sort of, most actors will tell you that the baddies are always the more interesting ones to play. And I think this in particular, I think sometimes you get baddies who are baddies just, you know, you can't find kind of why they're bad or have much empathy. You can't find much empathy for them. They're just too bad. But Shell was complicated. You know, she was a complex character. She was vulnerable. She had had, uh, she had a really, really bad backstory. And she also had a fantastic sense of humour. So, you know, she was tragic, but there was also a lot of comedy there. Such a lot of fun to play. And I think the writers had a lot of fun with her and they kind of put all sorts of things in the script for her. There was bits of her singing, there were bits of her, because she was a bit of a performer herself and mm. they even had tap dancing and doing impressions at one point. And then of course, you know, she was so naughty. And I say naughty, if somebody did this in real life, it would be worse than naughty. But of course, we, we, know, we know it's not real. So um, in a way, we can enjoy <laughs> some of the worst things that she did, like setting fire to Snowball's hair and things like that. And of course, outside of that, you know, backstage or behind the scenes, let's say, we had a great laugh as well because we were just a load of girls together <laughs> with blokes and we were all quite young. And we were all just up for having a really good time. And we laughed and laughed and laughed. And sometimes there were pranks, like our director was a, uh, well, we had quite a few really fabulous directors, but one of the directors used to like playing tricks on other people. And he once, when I had to flush Snowball's head down the toilet, <laughs> he'd put a, he got props to make a sort of chocolate bar yeah, a Snickers bar and a, and a Mars bar did look like a poo and um, put it in the toilet. So <laughs> she actually thought somebody done a poo in the prop toilet. <laughs> I love and, it. You know, 
stupid things like that. And then another another time when Jack Ellis put a banana in his trousers that he knew that my character would have to find. Not me, but it was something that happened in the scene. Uh, so, you know, so it kind of was a proper icebreaker, if you like, I suppose you could say. Certainly there were lots of pranks and lots of lots of fun. Um, although it's hard work as well, you know, because mm. we were up at the back of dawn to go to what ostensibly was a prison, whether it was Oxford Prison to do all the outside shots or whether it was the um, set, which was at the time the biggest freestanding set in Europe. Uh, wow. So it really was like, you know, it was, it was to scale as a prison atrium yeah. and cells off there. So it felt very realistic at times. Sometimes it was really hard going you were very tired and it was emotionally draining because you although it was fun and in time at times it was even a bit pantomime and comical there were also moments where you really needed to play the truth of the scene and for that you needed to take on your backstory and just live with it a bit you know so it was yeah it was a big heavy challenging time dramatically but also loads of fun <laughs> all exhausting actually I was the lucky one because I had my own cell and could go for a nap in there at lunchtime most of the time we were just in these really pokey horrible dressing rooms in porter cabins so yeah it wasn't wasn't glamorous at all and in no. fact the most unglamorous thing that I remember was having to roll around the floor all day pretending to be mad and it stunk and I thought god I look awful I feel awful but I smell awful and then one of the sparks said to me and this was near the end of the day after being running around the floor all day I was complaining about the smell and he said oh yeah he said we found an old tomcat in there <laughs> it obviously wazzed everywhere yeah. and I'd rolled around in it so yeah not very nice luckily I wasn't pregnant at that point I did, I did work really hard when I was pregnant as well. And I hurt my back. I think it was to do with the way the baby was sitting. And I bent down to cut my toenails and got back up. And, well, couldn't get back up, got halfway back up and couldn't get the rest of the way back up. And then I had to get an old wheelchair that they'd used for Kate O'Mara's character and wheel me around in that. And I just had to kind of stand up for the take and then sit back down again. <laughs> <laughs> But a lot yeah. of fun for the most part, by the sounds of it. But mostly, yeah, absolutely. And, and those times that we went away, we, you know, uh, to Oxford, we, we had a ball. You know, we didn't care. We were very young. Now I'd be much, much more professional than that. I would never think about having a drink, even one, the night before I, I do some filming. But back in the day, I guess, when you're young, you're very resilient and you can do everything. <laughs> you can do it all. And we did. Yeah, it was, it so, was good fun. So the bad girls' prisons in Hoxford, who knew? Well, it's now a Malmaison. It's now oh. a hotel. Yeah. Because it was a grade two listed, certainly a listed building, they weren't allowed to change it too radically. So when you go in, it still looks like a prison. Really? In that it's kind of got the atrium and the, all the doors and, you know, it's similar, but of course it's all been painted white and it's all sort of nice lighting. <laughs> it's got, it looks almost like a birdcage rather than a prison. With all these big shows that you've been a part of, can I ask Deborah, is, is there a show out there or a, a role for you that you consider maybe your dream role or show that you'd like to be, maybe be a part of one day? Yeah, I mean, I still, I still want to carry on. I think, you know, I've taken time off before 
for, you know, when my kids have been young, I've certainly taken my foot off the gas, if you like. Sounds very American, doesn't it? <laughs> um, and, you know, and taken a step back from things. But I've got my mojo back, you know, and it's lovely at the moment that I'm working on Holby and I'm, I'm filming and things are not the same, you know, obviously as they were because you are strictly keeping two metres distance. You are wearing masks unless you're actually going for a take and you're not even getting your own hair and makeup done by somebody you're having to do it yourself with under instruction from makeup artists. So, you know, it's very, very, very strict COVID rules and measurements but it's still good it still feels great to be working and um i'm so i feel so lucky to just have a you know have a job at the moment and and be able to kind of practice my craft again she says sounding like lover um but you know i i feel like i've managed to keep my hand in and do the odd thing here and there i did i guess part on hobby and various bits and pieces and doctors and you know, it's here and there, but mm. I think that my kids are old enough now for me to really start, you know, get my teeth into working a bit more. So yeah, I was a bit gutted when all my work in the diary sort of disappeared and I couldn't go out and do the live tour and things like that, that I had planned. But at the same time, you know, I'm really sort of kind of ready to, yeah, ready to go with, whatever's out there for me so I, I don't know you know getting back to your question about any particular roles that I like to play but I'd love to do some Shakespeare and I'd love to be in a, a West End musical or play which is something that I've had the opportunity to do and and not been able to do because you know just because my family circumstances and juggling and everything but you know I've had a really good work life balance and uh, you know as your children get older it's time to kind of adjust that balance again so yeah still still ambitious. So, so Deborah, I'd now like to ask just a few of our celebrity friends what they've been up to to keep sane and busy during lockdown. So Tess Daly what have you been up to during lockdown? Well, there's only one thing you can do during lockdown, and that's keep dancing. And what about you, Joe Brand? Well, I've just been baking lots of cakes. Actually, I tell a lie, I've been eating lots of cakes. That's my favourite thing to do. Sarah Millican, what have you been up to during lockdown? Hello. Well, I've been baking lots of banana bread, and I've been doing a lot of kind of talking to me boyfriend and about me boyfriend. I don't think I've really been doing that, but that's the sort of thing that I think I might have been doing. What about you, Sandy Toxvic? Uh, well, I've been using the time that I've been having to uh, improve my IQ uh, so that when I do QI, I know even more facts and seem even more intelligent than I already am. And you, Sharon Osborne? Tell me something about you. You don't want to know what me and Ozzy have been doing. <laughs> How's our good friend Lorraine Kelly doing? Uh, oh, uh, wonderful, marvellous, very, very good indeed. So that's great. And you are so nice. It's been very, very good chatting to you. And finally, the same question to you, Paloma. Well, I've been making a new video, and I don't know if you've seen me acting, but I suddenly go a bit northern. Have you seen me in that programme? I'm right good. Just finally then, Deborah. in each of these episodes of A Good Old Natter, I always ask the guest to share with us a little known fact about themselves, which perhaps many people don't already know. 
So it could be a random or quirky hobby you may have, for example. So is there a Deborah Stevenson little known fact that you can share? I like to go swimming in the sea. I haven't been since November, so I'm not really what you'd call the sort of diehard all year round swimmer. But I just go in November without a wetsuit. That's brave. So yeah, that, there's that. There's like um, just stuff. <laughs> My, I've got an interesting ancestor called George Houseman Thomas, who was an artist um, portraiter for Queen Victoria. Wow. Uh, sort of Deborah Stevenson trivia. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's interesting to anyone else, but anyway. Yeah. Next series yeah. of Who Do You Think You Are? Yeah, I really, really want to do that, actually. Yeah, I don't know. They haven't asked me. <laughs> I, think, I think they've they've always got a big, long waiting list of people who want to do that show. No, oh, it's, it's fascinating, uh, uh, isn't it? Like, like, strictly, I feel like um, it's boring being devastated, and, and I should be uh, someone else, like Claudia Winkleman, for instance. Well, Deborah Stevenson, thank you for having a good old natter with me. Oh, you're most welcome. It's nice to see you again, even you if too. it's not a person. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed this episode of A Good Old Natter. My huge thanks to Deborah Stevenson and Peter Dixon, Charles and Bob for my theme music. Stay tuned for future episodes of the podcast, available on iTunes, Spotify and Podbean. And until next time, yep, keep nattering away.